Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because we get to welcome back someone who rivals the editors for the most amount of Black Widow viewings. Whether it's MCU deep dives, top fives, or stories summarized, our guest is the mind behind every episode of There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and someone we're happy to welcome back to the show. Welcome, TK. <laughs> Hello, yeah, thank welcome. you for having me again. You That intro, you nailed it. <laughs> you you've outdone yourself on the intro oh wow i you know after the 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 praise that i got when i was over on your episode i was like all right here we go we gotta we gotta go to bat today <laughs> it's gonna be a game now trying to one-up each other oh i welcome it that'll be so much fun <laughs> oh yeah that'll be a lot of fun <laughs> but yeah how's it going it's going pretty well yeah i'm really excited to be back on mcu need to know and talking with both of you guys about what if yeah yeah has okay i'm just curious has your your school year started oh yes okay <laughs> yeah because we're i remember you now. went longer than me like before your summer break came on so i wasn't sure when you started exactly that's right yeah i started at the end of august students came back early september uh even earlier than usual this year before labor day uh, okay so it's been about a month and i am feeling it <laughs> as, as I'm sure you relate, Jude, getting yes. used to the the feeling in your body again, the rhythm of the waking up early and the commute, and even if you're working over the summer, it doesn't feel the same as when you're really in the rhythm of the school year. So yeah. it's been exhausting, but it's been good. <laughs> well, you know, as the intro alluded to, you are the host of There Was an Idea. Uh, lately, you've been doing what-if coverage, but you've been doing it in bulk. Uh, I was wondering if you could let our listeners know how that's been going and uh, what you've been doing in those in-between episodes when you're not covering what-if. Yeah, so as you said, my coverage of what-if has been a little bit different than my coverage mm -hmm. of the other Disney Plus shows. Since I started the podcast last summer, it's kind of gone through a few different evolutions of what the podcast is because like you guys I started when I was looking back on installments in the MCU that had that we were familiar with that had come out many years mm -hmm. ago and mm -hmm. then once we started getting the new content upon new content in early 2021 it shifted into week to week coverage of what was new so with what if um for a few different reasons it's it's kind of just gone in a different direction where two or three episodes at a time with a different guest. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring some new voices in who have a particular lens that might enhance the discussion of the what if episodes, because as I've talked about on my show, I have butt up against a couple of things with the what if show. Not that I haven't enjoyed it, but I've been thinking about the way that I'm discussing it because it's different than my approach to the other installments of the MCU. So that being said, I have put out episodes covering episodes one through eight, just as you said, in chunks. And on the weeks that I'm not doing that, I've branched out a little bit and have done some other episodes where I have, for example, recently I did an MCU top fives episode where I gathered a bunch of people who have been guests on my show over the past year plus and we talked about our top five favorite characters and our top five favorite movies in the MCU. 
I also did an episode where I talked about the uh, my, my favorite needle drops in the MCU, music moments in the MCU. Uh, with you guys, we did an MCU movie draft. So <laughs> it's been fun to, in addition to doing the coverage of whatever new content is out, to also be able to do those other fun format episodes. And of course, with the new movies that are coming out as well, what I've decided to do is uh, first impressions, kind of quick 20, 30 minute, just me on the microphone, fresh out of the movie theater. And then after a few weeks, uh, deep a deeper dive analysis into the film. And most recently, I was joined by Yutre for the Shang-Chi episode. Yeah, so much fun to get to do. Yeah, that was a blast. That and as you mentioned, that was my longest episode to date. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was it was so much. You y'all did great. It was so much fun to listen to. Thanks, Jude. Yeah, I and you're not off the hook either because Trey and I got to talk about his top five movies when we had the Shang Chi discussion. Yeah, but you and I haven't had that discussion yet, so we're gonna have to find a time to have you on my show and incorporate that in there. Absolutely, I'm game. I'm game, and I really, really enjoyed the other two. Your your top five. I like the way you mixed in the old guest, and I really enjoyed the needle drop. And I'm I'm waiting for your MCU Spotify playlist. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was the next thing that I was thinking of. I I'll be honest. I thought about doing a tie-in playlist to advertise that episode, and just didn't get around to it. But I have another idea coming up for a tie-in with thinking about uh, playlists for particular characters in the MCU. So keep an eye out for that. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, you know, if I am a hypothetical new listener to your show, is there any particular episode that you would recommend as a great starting point? This is such a great question because it reminds me of the, how do you get people into the MCU? Do you do release order or do you do the chronological watch or something else? So I was thinking about it and I, I think similarly, there are a couple different ways you could approach the There Was an Idea podcast. And mm-hmm. one of the things I set out to do from the very beginning was to try to capture the spirit of the MCU by allowing each of my episodes to have its own flavor, depending on the guest for the week. But even if the guests themselves are very different and bring different perspectives in to make sure that it it feels part of a a cohesive whole. So that's Mm -hmm. been my goal all along. So thinking about that, I guess the the two strategies that I think I would recommend (laughs) if if somebody has heard me on your show before but has never gone and listened, what I might recommend is to just dive into the episode that covers your favorite MCU movie or your favorite episode of your favorite MCU show. And and hopefully you like it and you go from there. Um, Or I guess the other approach would be to start with some of those bonus episodes like the uh, like the top fives, because that gives you a taste for a few different guests who I've worked with multiple times. Mm-hmm. Or since you're listening to MC, you need to know and you like Trey and Jude, maybe you start with the movie draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good start. And I like the idea of starting with the top fives and getting that that mix. Especially since it, it covered so many of the previous guests, it's a great intro to the voices that they'll be hearing on the episodes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, and I'm grateful if anybody wants to listen to any episode, I would <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> appreciate that if you haven't already. So thank you guys so much. 
Yeah. So, of course, we'll link to some of those in the show notes. And if you're not already, you should definitely be following TK on Twitter and Instagram at an idea underscore podcast and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher or wherever you download podcasts. So we're about to dive into season one, episode eight of What If. But before we get there, we're going to try something new this week. We're going to try and see if we can't live up to the MCU need to know name uh, where we have this new segment. Uh, each week, Jude and I are going to be keeping an eye out for any news within the MCU between our recordings and curate the one that we think you need to know. So starting this week, we are going to do an article called MCU writer teases weirder season two for Marvel's What If. It's written by Richard Nebens, and you can find it on the direct. And it features a quote from the head writer of What If, AC Bradley, where she spoke on another podcast about what to expect in season two. So she said, quote, season two is a lot of fun. The training wheels come off and we get to do a little bit weirder, wilder. There's one episode which is probably the closest to my own personality I've ever written. It's heartfelt. It's full of action and bad 90s clothing choices. So, uh, TK, what do you think about season two of What If Getting Weirder? I am 100% down for it to get weirder. And I hope that by weirder, it encompasses different types of weird, right? Like the party Thor weird with just Mm a bunch of bizarre cameos and absurdity and silliness. And then uh, some of the weirdness that we've seen in other places over the course of What If with with some of the very dark tone. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm very curious about the 90s clothing choices. Mm-hmm. That's got to be Captain Marvel, right? Uh, Marvel? Maybe the X-Men? Oh. Ooh. I mean, it's What If. At this point, you own the property. <laughs> I love that the X-Men are coming is the drum that you continue yeah. to, to beat within the show. But no, like, like, like I'm imagining like multiverse pull in the old X-Men from uh, the 90s animated cartoon. Wow. I it's already animated. That. Like you don't yeah. and you don't have to tie and worry about like who's casting and stuff and just bring them in. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm definitely down for for weirder. I remember there was this. I I can't remember if it was a rumor, if it was just you know something that was let out during press releases. But apparently, there was going to be an episode that was featured on Peter Parker, where instead of becoming Spider Man, he turned into an actual spider. Like that sort of weird is what I would love to see in this. What if? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm down for it to kind of take the training wheels off. Yeah, I would love if we went a little bit into that horror vein a little bit more too, especially knowing Mm -hmm. that we have some characters coming up in the MCU in live action like Blade and Moon Knight. If we, Mm -hmm. and the zombies episode I thought was was really fun and dark and weird in that way. And I think it'd be cool if we see a little bit more of that. So Peter Parker as a spider just has that absurd (laughs) Kafka-esque, you know, (laughs) uh, body horror to it that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So, like we said, this was going to be a new segment. Uh, Just a little bit of a news update we think you need to know. Uh, So, yeah. Of course, we are going to be diving into Season 1, Episode 8 of What If, though, and it is entitled, What If Ultron 1? And the way we're going to do this is we've got some pre-spoiler thoughts, followed by an audio sound, which will take us into the spoiler zone. 
But before we get there, TK, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? Yeah, just to say that I really, really liked this episode. I felt like the the stakes have been raised. And I really appreciated the choice of the characters, especially throughout the series of What If. I feel like what I've been able to latch onto when I have had some inconsistent reactions to the show has been the character of the Watcher and mm-hmm. the development of the Watcher as a through line. So without getting into post-spoiler thoughts, I did enjoy uh, seeing where his story went in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jude? Um, I'm going to go with something I told you on the phone this afternoon. Um, I mean, it's been well documented. I was not a fan of Party Thor episode. <laughs> and so I, I just feel like, you know, if you imagine the Party Thor episode and do a complete 180, and that's what this episode was. And I don't know. I it just and then the one we posted, you know, kind of said it in a different way. I just I felt like it really found it the show the series really found its stride in the uh, Doctor Strange episode and the zombie episode, and then just kind of like stumbled, you know, with the party Thor and and here it 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 really kind of found itself again. And Trey. For me, uh, sticking to what we shared on social media, I, it's it's been the same here, the well-documented up-and-down nature of this season and, and the way that I've been receiving it. But man, I, I am cautiously optimistic about this episode and the remaining one to come. Uh, it's funny, we have that group message with friend Daniel where friend Daniel put in there, he's like, man, I guess I'm the odd man out this time. And he said that any critiques he had is really critiques about what if and not this episode in particular. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I wanted to reiterate that here is because I think he's a lot closer to what I was feeling and stated it so wonderfully that like the baggage that I think this episode has really has nothing to do with the episode itself. And so even though that feels weird like to to have to still carry the weight of what has come before I still think that it did uh, fairly well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing that I, I put out on social media on my personal account is that I feel like this episode is the blueprint for what I want from the series if it's going to tackle more serious storylines. Um, and really, because, uh, Jude, I mean, it's it's so funny. These last two weeks with Eric, the, the Killmonger episode, I didn't like it. Party Thor episode, you didn't like it. Here, this genuinely felt like an episode that is a compromise between the two things that we were looking for from the show. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I'll leave it there until we get into the spoiler zone. Yeah. Yeah, you're no longer ready for Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be safe for the next two weeks of beating that drum. <laughs> oh. Well, those are our pre-spoiler thoughts. So like we said, uh, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU except Shang-Chi. Which, as a bit of a quick programming note, uh, Jude and I talked about this. Uh, rather than saying that Shang-Chi is exempt from the spoiler zone every week, we're going to make this one last statement and just kind of let people know that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will be available to stream on November 12th. And so a week after that date is when we will bring Shang-Chi back into the spoiler zone. So we'll we'll make sure that guests know that that, that is exempt from the spoiler zone. Uh, but we're just trying to keep me from having to say it every week <laughs> nice but uh but yeah so like we said spoiler sound and uh we'll see you 
on the other side. And we're back. So we will be breaking this down into three acts. And act one is going to begin with that opening sequence where Clint and Natasha are running from the Ultron bots all the way through Infinite Ultron's rise to power where he becomes aware of the Watcher. Uh, So Tara, if we could start with you, where would you like to start within this first act? Oh, man. Well, I immediately was struck by the watcher's narration Uh, again it seems like each episode we see the watcher as more of a focal point not just in this case very much so in the storytelling itself but just even on the screen right opening on his face and in more detail than we've seen it before it seems like it's he's gradually getting closer to us and gradually getting more detailed and i believe that's something that you guys have talked about already as well so he starts off this episode he's talking about you know we've seen this before it's this universe in its final days before its destruction, but this one breaks my heart. And I thought that was just like, ooh, what a way to start. So I was immediately, I was immediately like, okay, I'm in. This this is great. Mm-hmm. I like that we're picking up with where we were at last week in terms of those stakes, in terms of the watcher having more ha- the watcher having a more human reaction to things, right? Like we saw yeah. that at the end of episode seven, and then we see that to open this one up. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, because this was my first note um, as well. I felt like it implied that he'd already seen this story before to say, did you get that feeling? Yes. Yeah. I My take on this was that there's the Watcher narration that is assuming a place of this is all played out and I'm telling you the story. And then there's the character of the Watcher mm-hmm. who we see going through it mm-hmm. later on in the episode, but that those are not that they're two different watchers, but that it's the watcher from two different perspectives, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. What did you make of that? Well, I just, it made me wonder on the second watch and and I know we're in the first act and not the third act and, and I'm jumping all the way to the end, I guess, or middle, um, or I guess maybe the end of this act, but it's like, I'm wondering like, did it go differently this time? Because the way the narration went, and then he was discovered, and he realized that discovery was him. Mm. So that's that's what it made me wonder in the second watch of like, oh, he's seen this before, but this time something different happened that he didn't see the last time. You know, I... Going into this, when you were asking your question, I really didn't have too many thoughts on it, but you just sparked an idea... Um, I don't know if I've stated this on the podcast. I'm fairly certain I've, I've at least texted you. My personal headcanon for why this is all happening is these events, like it started off with that episode one with Captain Carter where it was fairly contained. He knew what was going on. Everything was pretty familiar with what we knew of the first Avenger movie. And gradually the season has shown us getting a little bit more and more out there. My personal theory is that because of the events of Loki, Things used to happen out in a particular way, but now that the TVA is essentially gone, this is why we're seeing things completely break free in the multiverse, which I think would explain to what you were talking about, where this is a story that was supposed to play out one way and then changed on the Watcher, which is what caught him by surprise. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, emphasizes that feeling that I've been having as my own little theory throughout the series. Well, and it also makes sense of 
you know, as we've been saying, the Watcher is getting more involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do want to say this on, on top of the comment of the Watcher saying this one in particular breaks my heart. The thing that I think works so well for this episode is putting Natasha and Clint together against these Ultron bots was such a great way to just get us on the ground running with this episode. Uh, you know, Clint Natasha, infamously not the most powered individuals within the MCU, but the thing that I think works for them is they are always that stand-in for holding on to hope in the face of insurmountable odds. So it it has that already going for it just by playing around with these two characters. But the thing that I think it excelled at was creating this world that felt like that felt like it was lived in, which is something. Um, I want to kind of go back through this series and keep an, an eye out for a little bit more, but I for sure have felt that feeling in the T'Challa episode where I talked about the collector stepping into the power vacuum of Thanos mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the zombies episode where Peter Parker makes his how to survive the zombie apocalypse video, like little moments like that help to sell that this is a believable universe. And for this episode in particular, it was such a simple thing, but having Hawkeye have that mechanical arm, like immediately upon seeing that, I was like, okay, I want, what happened there? What was the story that led him to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought they were just excelling in all those very economical micro visual storytelling. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's funny, I was talking with the guest that I worked with Last night on my show, Michael Tanner, the episode that I did with him, I I just put out uh, today, the day of this recording, actually. So it will be out by the time this is published. But regardless, we'll be sure to link to it. Thank you. And uh, regardless, we were talking about the movie Age of Ultron. And one of the things that he said that he's always appreciated about Age of Ultron, and I love the way that he put this, is that it starts off in this lived in world where you're thrown into this action and it feels like the Avengers have been hanging out and doing adventures since the first Avengers movie. It feels like you're kind of just dropped into this world and there's no big setup of, you know, why they're back together again. I mean, obviously there's a reason as to why they're back together again, but that it just feels very much like this is a thing that happens. The Avengers hang out and they do these things. And, um, and I, what you were saying, Trey, made me think of that, right? Because Mm -hmm. even in this animated format, we're, we're thrown into the action and we see those details that show us, oh, Natasha and Clint, our friends. They have this established relationship. This is a world where they've been in this already. And I think that worked out really well. And I alluded to it in my pre-spoiler thoughts too, but I love that this episode chose to focus on those two as the last hope and those two as the last heroes here because they are not the gods. They are not the super soldiers. They are the ones who are more human um, mm-hmm. in in the way that they operate in the world and i think that was part of the thesis statement of this episode is is that idea of of humans having hope and and uh, he says later in the episode the watcher says something like get up you're human <laughs> you keep hope <laughs> against the worst of odds right like i just love that get up you're human um that's that's gonna be my new daily affirmation in the mirror <laughs> i want to use that on my students that and when <laughs> when he's so exasperated by the fact that the box with Armin Zola's file and it is right next to them and he's like the answer is right there <laughs> that was relatable to me too um, but yeah all that to say that I, I also really enjoyed that the focus here was on Hawkeye and Black Widow yeah yeah they're pretty amazing that like I, I just had a note they're just like yeah for humans only Natasha and Clint are pretty awesome 
Yeah. I, oh, yeah. You know, it was funny, Trey, you said you wondered where he got the arm. I wonder where he got one of the Deathly Hollows. Like, yes. <laughs> what was up with that? Right? Like, we've ne- we we need- not seen anything like that at all. Not even Stark has used, like, stealth technology. I don't. Yeah. Well, it was um, in Iron Man three. the The little boy in the garage. He was like, "Oh yeah, you should use the the stealth uh, display for your suit." And Tony's like, "That's not a bad idea. I'll think about it." And I guess he never got around <laughs> to doing it. So funny. I think the the Quinjet is in stealth mode at some yeah, point. Yeah. Okay. True. The Avengers, mm-hmm, but true. but yeah, that that was bizarre. And he just does, he does it once, and then that's it. <laughs> right. Like. <sighs> That's one of those things where, like, if this was a video game, you know that invincibility cloak is on a cooldown for such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why he didn't use it. <laughs> His one use, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I think I'm right there with you, Jude. Like, literally, verbatim, my note. It's a shame we never got more awesome adventures with Natasha and Clint. Like, this episode showed, like, I could have a whole series of them, even if it's in the what if universe, a whole series of them going on their missions and adventures because they just work so well together, uh, especially here in this opening, which mm-hmm. again, to me, this this opening with Natasha and Clint, I think is the promise of what the Age of Ultron trailer was putting forth mm-hmm. because that trailer was incredibly dark and incredibly menacing mm-hmm. and the movie is a little bit more um, lighthearted. Not, that doesn't feel the right It was more comical, I guess. And even though I like it, this heavy, foreboding feeling of Ultron bots is what I was hoping for after that trailer. So I'm glad we got a taste of it here in this universe. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm glad, now that you said that, I want to ask Tara a question because that's... I feel like you're in a unique position to answer this. As a Buffy fan, mm. do you think that that feeling in Age of Ultron that Trey was talking about has to do with Joss Whedon's style versus like um, Mark Christopher Marcus McFeely, who wrote yeah, who who wrote the other entries. I think so. Um, in fact, as Trey was talking about it, I was thinking to myself, well, he Joss Whedon did, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> which you know, again, I. Huge Buffy fan, and and I've been a big fan of other projects from Whedon as well. And I think uh, to Joss Whedon, it is not necessarily always a negative term. Um, no, when we're talking when we're talking about his storytelling and his writing, some of yes, that, his personal yes. stuff probably that yeah, that's not good. Um, but when uh, yeah, I I really appreciate the Whedon esque aspects of Avengers and of Age of Ultron, but I do feel like the moments. There's the moments of levity. You guys talk about this all the time. There's the moments of levity that work really well, that don't mm-hmm. detract from the storytelling. And then there are sometimes moments of levity or moments that do take you out. Like mm-hmm. there are absolutely some jokes in Age of Ultron that don't feel in place. And that like this episode, for example, to what you're saying, Trey, this episode has some moments of levity. It has Black Widow and Hawkeye kind of like you know, jabbing at each other in a fun sort of way. And it has even the watcher, you know, being like, what the hell? And, uh, you know, (laughs) so it has, it has these funnier moments, but it doesn't, the tone is just different. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, do y'all think, you know, part of me, you know, 
it, I, I like that, you know, it's what if, and this made me think what if, uh, in a lot of different ways. Could Ultron have beat Thanos that easily? <laughs> that has been the talk of the internet. And I don't know. Like, it's... I, I see what the episode is going for because we talked about, like, the way Clint-Natasha pairing is a shorthand. We know who those characters are. We know what the relationship's like. So it, it sells that beginning. The Thanos moment... It's like, okay, this is a shorthand to show how powerful Ultron is because right. they do away with him. Mm-hmm. I think the moment that that lost me, and speaking of like levity and not feel, feeling right, was the way he split. There was something that was too cartoonish about it that mm-hmm. it was just like, uh, that that took me out of it for a second. But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's that's where I immediately went with that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with that scene... It definitely made me laugh, and I don't know if if that's what they were going for or not. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I took it the same way you did, as like seeing the Infinity Stone paperweights in Loki, and Mm -hmm. like seeing Thanos in a different role in T'Challa's Star-Lord episode. What we're kind of seeing is the MCU saying, Thanos is not the end all be all Thanos is not the biggest threat. The infinity stones are not the biggest threat. And like you said, kind of that shorthand to just say this, the stakes are are higher than this. But that being said, you know, that moment didn't completely work for me just because he still had five out of the six infinity stones. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't think that Thanos would have been that trusting in his approach of Ultron. I don't know. It it was, it was silly. Right. No, no, no. And that was my thought too. It was just like, cause you had that scene in infinity war where they all came at him and he used the stone, um, various stones to, to get him out of the way. And I just thought, okay, that was kind of a, how do we get the infinity stones to vision Ultron quick, mm-hmm. you know, and, and relying on the shorthand of, it makes sense that Thanos would show up with stones. Right. Well, and speaking of shorthands too, I feel like having Captain Marvel in here also, and, and I really love Captain Marvel as a character, but I was a little surprised to see her in here as well. And I was very much sort of like, oh, okay, having Captain Marvel in here is again, sort of the shorthand for like, this is how powerful Ultron is. <laughs> Captain Marvel is not going to be off world. <laughs> um, Captain Marvel is going to be in, in you know, if I have to face off with him and, you know, she is not powerful enough either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the way that plays out, like, it's midway through the episode, or maybe not even midway, but it's like, oh, you know, here comes Captain Marvel. She's got him pinned down, and it looks like she's going to win. And then he's like, you know, you've already lost, or he says something to that extent, and then he just immediately does away with her. This one, I think, worked a little bit more than the Thanos shorthand, because it was like, oh, okay, you know, uh, for a moment, maybe maybe it seems like there'll be some sort of conflict where Captain Marvel stalls them enough throughout the episode, but then it was like, oh no, she's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's completely won. Where are we going from here? So yeah, it's it's I guess what I'm I'm feeling now is just like we've within this first act, we got three different examples of the way they're using shorthands, and it's interesting to see the varying degrees of effectiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want Captain Marvel like to get a little bit more of her own. And I know the Marvels is coming up, but I mm-hmm. think throughout what if she's been kind of used in that same sort of way of like, oh, we're going to put Captain Marvel in here to show how serious the threat is or to show how, yeah. you know, to show how powerful other people are um, because she's so powerful. So she's our shorthand for 
like the most powerful person to fight uh who was you know on the good guy team um so i'm i'm just looking forward to some captain marvel stories that have a little bit more nuance and allow her character to to be a little bit more um you know see what makes her tick and and be a little bit more personal to her no you're right because i don't i mean stepping outside of the what if and and this is a place you could do it you know explore that with and they really haven't done that but otherwise we've only seen captain marvel in her movie yeah yeah i mean like i know showed up in endgame right but it, it was just um so quick right at the beginning and the end and you really don't get much yeah well, hey, maybe maybe that's what was being teased after all with the the '90s fashion. Hopefully, yeah. it is something yeah. we'll get more uh, Danvers front and center because uh, there's definitely definitely stories to tell there. Totally. You know, I, I do want to say this because um, I mentioned the pre-spoiler thoughts, Jude. You and I, uh, within these last two weeks, have been on polar opposites of the reception to these what if episodes and i mentioned that this episode felt like the compromise between what we wanted out of this series i wanted to highlight the thing that i think works so well for me and feels like that bridge between me and you is we started from a familiar place but it took less than a minute to cover the ground with which we were going to be covering because they had like that that cinematic well not cinematic that that overview narration of what happened in Age of Ultron, but then it poses the question, okay, but what if Ultron won? And we got to see that buildup to, you know, him succeeding and launching the nukes and getting us to the present day within the storyline. And I thought that was such a very effective way to get that familiarity while also launching us into something completely new in such a minimal amount of time. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, it makes me wonder if they were to rename the Killmonger episode. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I don't want to get off on, on that tangent, but, yeah. but the same, but the same thing, where it's like the name of the episode is "What if Killmonger saved Tony," and that ran its course so fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what's left? But if you would have just titled it "What if Killmonger won," you know. Then you yeah. like that you you don't you might not feel like it ran its course. So I'm just and I and I get you don't want two episodes with the same name like like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see the way a simple framing can can alter alter the uh, reception. Mm-hmm. Oh my Definitely. gosh! So my students, we used to have assignments that we would just call like journals and wouldn't really get good work. I literally one year, we just changed the title from journal to position paper. Didn't change the assignment at all. And all of a sudden, Ooh, position paper. Mm. And they would like, like, the quality went way up. That's interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. Finally, one student noticed and he was like, we're not really giving a position i was like no but you do better work with it so just go with it <laughs> that's great oh, man. well you know i i think we're getting close to the end of the act but i think we got one more thing to talk about before we get there uh tara what did you think of 
Ultron becoming aware of the Watcher and the Watcher narrating it as it happened. I loved it. <laughs> I thought that was great. I, you know, for a moment, I was like, okay, Ultron is achieving what he wants to achieve by nuking every corner of the universe. And that was kind of cool that we got to see the different planets uh, that he was you know, attacking. Um, and then, well, what's going to be left, right? He's going to just sort of be alone and mm-hmm. what comes next? Uh, and, and then you have the the watcher saying, you know, he's ascended to this previously unattainable level of consciousness. And <laughs> that moment when Ultron hears the watcher, it's, it, it was funny to me, like, but not in a bad way. <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, of course, this is what happens next, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I've seen everything that has ever happened, ever will happen, ever could happen, and yet, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great quote. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I was curious. Is like, who was the Watcher narrating to? And then it dawned on me. It's like, oh, so they're truly narrating to us, like breaking the fourth wall. So we are in the MCU. Or it's all just a simulation. <laughs> what do you think, Trey? Uh, I think I got to go. Uh, y'all two can take <laughs> it from here. <laughs> but no, you know, I I was talking to Jude earlier on the phone, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Jude. It's so wild, the, the conversations that have spurred from the MCU now dealing in the multiverse, because I was in the Marvel Studios subreddit, And there was somebody who was vehemently arguing, technically, we're part of the MCU now. And Uh it's just like, it's like, it's funny how far you can really take this if you want. But to back up that person's claim, dude, I think you're kind of right. I mean, who else is the Watcher narrating to if not us? Oh, he even says it. He even says, like, I, I noted it in this episode. And I think this was the first episode that he uses this word. I could be wrong. But he specifically says, in your universe... And he talks about how the mm-hmm. Avengers were able to take, uh, you know, Vision's body. Um, then he goes, but in this universe. And I was like, ooh, the use of the you're there very mm-hmm. much puts the viewer in this. Like, okay, are, is so is he saying that we as viewers are part of what Loki called the sacred timeline or the prime timeline of the MCU? And what is what does that mean if they're acknowledging that in a meta sort of way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the first time he said your universe. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a line that stands out for sure. But, you know, I, I did want to say this before we move into the next act. You know, you were talking about him realizing his purpose, achieving everything, finding peace. When he was standing on that rock, I almost felt sorry for him. There was something about like that idea of him, like a program completing its mission and then just having nothing else to do. And it looks like he's about to just kind of power down. And then that's when he gets gets notice of the watcher. The 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 ideas they're playing with there, I don't know. It's both like empathizing with him and also horrifying at the same time, which is a weird spot to be in with this episode. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, if you think about horror, right? Like the horror genre, the best or the the most terrifying villains or ideas in horror are those things that feel familiar. And what scares people more than actually like 
the idea of getting what they want. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, yeah, and then uh-huh. not having yeah. that purpose anymore. I, I'm telling you, man, like more and more the the I'm convinced that the big idea of phase four is about purpose because it keeps coming up and, and they talk mm-hmm. about it a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely tracks. Glorious purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Gets us all. Mm-hmm. Well, unless there's anything more, I think we can go ahead and move into the next act. So this act is going to take us from Clint and Nat arriving at the KGB archives as they're searching for information about Zola. And it will take us all the way through the scene where they're in Siberia escaping from the Ultron bots with Zola and Clint sacrifices himself so that Natasha and Zola can get away. So starting with you this time, Jude, uh, is there anywhere you'd like to start? Mm. You know what? Okay. I, <laughs> I'm going to start here, even though I have better places to start. <laughs> um, but my very first note, Raiders of the Lost Ark, such a good movie. Too bad Trey hasn't seen it. I have. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. Wow. That's... Yeah. Obviously a shock. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry to steal your your thunder here, but I have seen Raiders of the Lost. Ark. No, that's great. That's there were, that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? And, and and actually, so let me let me go ahead and go from there and just say, I, this is a note, and I was going to save it for for stray thoughts. Um, but I think this is a good place to say it. I Because you get it in the first act and you get it definitely in the sec- second act as well. This was such a good, this episode was such a good balance of the old and new. And I think that's why both of us ended up liking it. Um, because you have that, the callback to Winter Soldier, right? You have, but then the callback to, um, in terms of location, Siberia with Civil War. Um, it, it follows in, you know, that Spider-Man tradition of an MCU tradition, really of, of referencing other movies, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Um, although my 10 year old, her eyes got really wide and Death Star, that's Star Wars. Is Star Wars Aww. part of the Avengers? <laughs> and, then, and then she started to think it could be technically like, um, but yeah, so I, I just loved love seeing those places again. But but in this time, it, it felt very fresh and not rehashed, so to speak. Yeah, it, it felt like a proper remix. And it makes sense that if this what if is taking what like the pieces we know, because you I don't think you can do a what if unless you unless you have an established to contrast against Mm -hmm. so it takes things that we are familiar with but turns them new um and i think this episode succeeded in that and it it makes me want to reevaluate some of the harsher criticisms that i've given killmonger because it's i don't think it's enough for me to just say like oh i want something completely new because this isn't technically completely new Mm -hmm. but it still worked for me yeah yeah i loved seeing natasha with the red guardian shield oh yeah you know before we started recording and you said, oh, I'm so glad that we're doing this episode together. <laughs> the reason, the moment that came to mind as soon as you said that was exactly this. Because I was so excited to see what you thought about that moment. Yeah. 
Well, I'm so I'm so willing to bet Tara has the same note as I do. What a poser. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh man. So good. Uh well, you know, as you've already mentioned, I've basically changed my Twitter handle to Black Widow Fangirl 2021. <laughs> Natasha, R.I.P. Heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're in the spoiler zone, so spoilers for Endgame are okay. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I loved, I loved that, that note of seeing her with the shield, and to mm-hmm. the points that you guys were making before, and and I, I love the way that you brought that up, Jude, because I, I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but that's what makes. It, where what if has succeeded are in those moments where it's enough familiarity that you're that you feel comforted and you feel excited about being in these locations again and and seeing them recontextualized um but also to your point trey combined with the freshness so i think that you know seeing this little nod to certainly something from the comics but also you know those of us who are up to date with watching phase four and have seen black widow Mm -hmm. to see that uh that nod to red guardian i i thought it was it was really awesome it was so cool to see her with the shield yeah yeah it was a lot more emotional than i was anticipating Mm -hmm. like i'll be like i got a i unfortunately got spoiled for that moment because somebody had like mentioned like oh it was so cool getting to see her pick up the shield and so i knew something similar was coming but even knowing that like just seeing her with the shield and how I mean, she looked happy with it. Like it was just like, oh, this is Mm -hmm. this is elevated by what we have seen in Black Widow, and also something on its own because this feels like a different Natasha as well. But those core elements of the character are still there, and it just it made me happy to see her with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. If she becomes a mainstay past this episode, I hope that she keeps that shield because it's it's such a great look for Black Widow. Uh, we were talking about last night, my guest Michael and I were talking about how, and maybe we'll we'll get to this later, but moving into the finale, we have a sense of who we might be seeing assembled together to mm-hmm. come up against mm-hmm. this this threat. And uh, we were putting our bets on seeing Natasha with the shield again in the next episode, but I guess we'll wait and see. Here's hoping. Yeah, I hope so. But no, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that she was happy have the shield like there was this familiarity and i guess in our universe our timeline prime timeline or whatever i don't think she would have known about that shield at that point would she she may have she, known about it i don't think she would have been happy mm. that's that's probably a better way to put it mm-hmm so yeah, uh, it's it's more evidence of that lived-in world. Like you know the pieces, but here, like enough to see what's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with the Tara, with the whole you know, fangirl, Black Widow <laughs> fangirl. Now, what did you think to to see that the basically a reenactment, maybe a recreation? of the that in-game sacrifice but go the other way i thought it was awesome and i i think that this is another thing that what if allows for even if we aren't getting an episode that is what if 
Clint is the one who is sacrificed as opposed to Natasha, we still get to play with that a little bit within mm-hmm. this episode that's not about that. It's about something else. And I really appreciate that because I don't think we want an episode of what if it was Clint instead of Natasha and that that's the moment that things are different. I, I don't think it would work as well. But to see this play out, I think is something that, of course, fans have wondered about. I think it makes sense, right? This is the universe in which Clint has already lost his family mm-hmm. and he tells her, I don't want to fight anymore. And I thought that was absolutely powerful. I loved the characterization of Clint in here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it, and not it's not coming from a facetious place of it should have been Clint, <laughs> which I know <laughs> is a thing that's out there. And it, it I, that's not how I feel at all. But mm-hmm. it was very, very satisfying to see a different version of that play out that felt consistent with the world of this episode, which is not the same world as the world of Endgame. So mm-hmm. I really liked it. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, you you put a piece together for me that didn't click until just now. But you're right that this is a universe in which Clint has lost his family. Like they make that he makes that realization when he says Laura as he's watching all the bombs go off in the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that we know how much that means to him in the the prime universe. Not having it here, it's it fits with what the trajectory of his character is, and. Um, to, to speak about, like, at least for me, the th- this is another one of those moments where because it's a shorthand, um, I, I feel like they, they borrow enough emotional weight from what we know to really sell it for me. Because it was mm-hmm. it was a hard moment watching him go for it and, and the way the shot is framed as he's, like, falling and all the Ultron bots are coming down, but the light is, like, illuminating him just right. Um, it's, it's such an incredible scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I that I really liked about it is it's, and we said this, um, I think in the very first episode, and the second, where the the person themselves, like T'Challa, is good, right? And you see what happened, like like him as a personality didn't change. Um, Steve Rogers was Steve Rogers, even though he didn't have the serum. And in that way, I, I, I felt like we kind of saw that with um, Natasha and Clint. I almost said Jeremy. Uh, Natasha and Clint. <laughs> uh, um, you know, and, and, and then like their character still didn't change there. They still had that um, that care for each other, that, that willingness to sacrifice. Yeah. You know, there's a moment that I want to... Uh, zone in on as I think the strongest moment of this episode for me. Uh, Tara, you already alluded to it a bit where the watcher was like, you know, very frustrated by how close they were to the answer and yet they were kind of pushing it away. You know, as much as this season has been about the watcher being like, I could intervene, I could help, but I have sworn this oath and I will not do that. I cannot do that. To have the pressure of infinite Ultron on his back while also entrusting the fate of the multiverse to these two as we said non-superpowered humans and let that be the stand-in for the hope against all odds it's such a beautiful moment because even though we know how this episode ends with all that pressure 
the the watcher still does not give in it shows humanity's resilience and that scene in particular just speaks volumes about everybody within that scene and so i i think that ended mm-hmm. up being one of my favorite scenes of this episode mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that you stated that beautifully did did either of you think that he was going to intervene there for a moment yeah i completely thought this is this is the moment Mm-hmm. that like and i don't know if i was i don't know what i was expecting if i was expecting him to like step into the world or maybe like make the box nudge you know yeah i was wondering about that too yeah to your point though trey i'm glad that he didn't yeah yeah i would say like that i mean the way trey put it i that would have taken away i think a lot from this episode Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the beauty of the scene, right? It's like, we've been, for better or worse, we've been waiting for this moment all season. So the fact that we as the audience are like, yes, like, do it, intervene, finally, this is it, and it still doesn't happen, that is such great narrative tension that has been built in to this moment that I, I think worked really well. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also have that element of, if he did, we leave Clint in a place where he did you know, fall to despair and like give up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, that would not have been very satisfying. Yeah. I love how immediately childish it becomes where he's like, Hey, that's my box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. They kept up the banter, you know, even in this hopeless situation or a situation that felt hopeless. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. The fact that the two, those two characters, even he says a line, my will to live meter is flatlining (laughs) and it's so dark, but just, it was very, it felt very Clint, you know, yeah. in that mm-hmm. moment. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it really works. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner's got such a wonderful way of delivering over the top lines so straightforward that it sells it. That like, yeah, that that line is an example of him being able to pull that off. And wonderfully, you know, because we, we've talked about it before, how there is definitely a distinction between like, physical acting there and voice acting and i think he he definitely accomplished that within the voice acting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i thought he was fantastic and i also really liked lake bell as natasha um i thought that in the first episode that she was in episode three it it was a little jarring at first because you're expecting scarlett johansson's voice and and she didn't sound like scarlett johansson to me in that third episode there uh, so at first, you know, it takes a little bit getting used to any of the characters that we've seen who haven't vi- who haven't been voiced by the live action actor. It's been the same. But I mm-hmm. have to say, I, I, you know, in this episode, I felt very much like this is the Natasha that I know and love, but it is also a different a different universe. And so there are these slight differences to who she is and the slight variation in the voice didn't bother me at all. I thought it was a great performance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, just across all the, the entire series, you know, it, it had that, that feeling. Um, but this, uh, you said the name, Lake Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, hers has been a standout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and I'll have to reassess this, but emotionally coming out of this episode, my thought, I think of the new voices to voice old characters, Lake Bell as Natasha, I think is the one that has worked the most for me. I think she has captured that spirit um, 
a lot. I, and she's there's something to the cadence of Scarlett Johansson's uh, Natasha that she has brought to this character, and it definitely is different. And like you said, a bit jarring, but it feels like the character to me. Um, and so that's what, that's what I appreciate about her performance. Mm-hmm. So Tara, I do want to ask this because if I'm not mistaken. The original Avengers is among your favorite MCU movies. Yes, it is. How did it feel to see Hawkeye bring out the USB arrow again? <laughs> I loved it. Yes, I loved that. I loved that image. It was fantastic. <laughs> Such an underlies- underutilized weapon. He needs to bring that out more often. Yes, it, that was that was so great. Ugh. Yes, I have so many Hawkeye thoughts now that I've been reading the uh, Fraction, Mad Fraction comics, too. Oh, you picked that up. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Yeah. Uh, And and that is the one with Kate Bishop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I really would like to get a copy of that one. I'm always so torn. Like, I want to read it, but I also want to experience anything potentially first in the either TV show or movie. And so it's always hard to pick, like, when I can drop in on the comics. I can relate to that, Trey, for sure. I have to say it's working in my favor for my excitement for Hawkeye because I haven't always been like the hugest MCU Hawkeye fan. Um, So to read the comics has gotten me very, very excited for the show in a way that I'm not entirely sure I would have been otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So good. Ah, Mm -hmm. it's so good. I I, I might do, uh, it'll, it'll be spoiled for the comic, but I might do a, a bonus episode for the podcast in which I talk about the comic or or like a getting ready for Hawkeye preview episode in which I'll allude to the comic. So oh, nice. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. That'll be awesome. That'll be fun. I, see, now another reason. I got to get it and have it read so I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we got... Well, I personally have one more thing to talk about before we move into the last act. Uh, and it's just something that I really want to praise about this episode. Um, you know, we have that moment, we talked about that moment where Clint sacrifices himself to stall for Zola and Natasha. And we had that scene after Natasha's mourning Clint a little bit, and she turns to Zola and question why he wasn't able to successfully take on Ultron. And the way they build up that scene where Zola's like, hey, look, I'm being honest. Uh, according to my calculations, if, you know, I should have been able to contract Ultron, contact Ultron Mm -hmm. but wherever he is it is not within the the visible universe Mm -hmm. the way that ends this act and leads us into the third act is the most amount of momentum that this show has had since the beginning and it was like truly thrilling because they have they had done such a great job of building up Ultron giving us this potential solve to it and then it not working and the way that all cascades into like this horrified feeling of why it didn't work that is that is what the feeling I feel like I've been missing within within this series mm-hmm. you know what I mean uh, peek ahead I'm gonna, I'm gonna say just like this uh the reveal and that moment we already talked about was kind of had that as well, right? Where, where Vision Ultron turned and looked, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I think thrilling is a really great word for it because it felt so engaging. Like the action felt so engaging when you see, you know, again, I guess moving into act three, but when you see the watcher and Ultron 
fighting and that glass shattering image and then yeah. the punching and and the going from universe to universe was so exciting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which speaking of i think we can go ahead and transition into the final act which as you were alluding to this is essentially the fight with the watcher and uh infinite ultron which will take us all the way to the moment where the watcher does decide to ask for uh dr strange's help from episode four and, and and you're right, Tara, that fight and the way that it's just visually depicted, like every punch that Infinite Ultron threw changed the universe in which they were taking place in. Like that is just such a cool idea and a cool visual for them to work with within this series. And uh, speaking of, it gave us President Rogers. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, man. The more we talk about it, the more I love this episode. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I I texted a friend a personal ranking and I think this episode was episode my my third favorite of the season so far. It's 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 I'm falling in love with it the more we talk about it. <laughs> yes. President Rogers definitely something I want to see. You know, we we we're touching on the fight a little bit before I'm sure we'll get into some of the other aspects of it i wanted to highlight this because it is something that definitely made me laugh that i don't think was intentional whenever the watcher and uh ultron are fighting there's a moment in the scuffle where you just hear the watcher grunt out i am the watcher and it was just like him it felt like him trying to psych himself up and every time that i've watched that moment it cracks me up yeah i also felt like it was kind of humorous the way that out of nowhere he just like levels up i mean it's not out of nowhere it's when he says you cannot compute the power of my will and he levels up all of a sudden and he's got like this new outfit on (laughs) (laughs) he went super saiyan (laughs) yeah yeah well and it it, i think it goes to show how much we don't know about the watcher yeah it it, it's Again, I, I mentioned in the pre-spoiler thoughts, I'm trying to separate the baggage of what didn't work of the series and focus on the episode. But if I can break my oath, I think the <laughs> I think if we would have gotten more about him, that would have alleviated so much more. Because I already mentioned the the strongest moment of the episode in the previous act with the watcher, Natasha, and Clint. That this fight is as great as it is because we got that moment. We see, we saw the internal representation of him standing to his oath. Then we get to this and we see the external physical fight of him standing to that oath. And so we feel for it. But I was thinking if we would have just gotten a little bit more of who he is or who he is beholden to with this oath, we could have gotten that much more drama out of this. Um, so that that's me breaking my oath, tiptoeing into what I think I would have liked a little bit more from the series itself. Mm-hmm. You know who would never break his oath? Who? President Stephen Grant Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> he did solemnly swear. He did. He did. And he's going to make like a tree and tell, say, no, you move. <laughs> That's a, well, this, maybe this is why I'm not a, uh, campaign marketer i was about to say that would have been a great slogan but no no you move is probably not the inspiring <laughs> quote it is for a it's presidential not, run <laughs> just, um, you know just working it in there now to your point though trey i i agree that i think 
if there had been more steady character development for the watcher maybe throughout the series and as i said you know he's definitely the the through line that connects all of this but um yeah i think i think there have been some things that have worked in the way that they've kind of slowly rolled out a little bit more involvement from him but to know a little bit more about where this oath comes from and and why it's so important to him i think would have helped with uh elevating the dramatic stakes as you said mm-hmm. well in in and it, but it begs the question right who is the oath to is it just to himself or is it some part of agreement that you get to do this and watch because i mean if, if you think about you just said right he powered up and so if he has that level of power he's outside of all these universes looking in you know, to have that oath, it has to be to something or someone. Mm-hmm. And do we see consequences in the next episode of breaking the oath? Personally, I if we see any consequences, I think it'll be a, a tease to season two. But yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tara? Do you think we'll see any? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think not. I mean, mm-hmm. if the finale is 30 minutes, they have a lot to pack in there already with this showdown between the Watcher and <laughs> who <laughs> my my guest Michael referred to as the If Avengers, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Um, whoever it is he's going to assemble. Uh, I mean, this is a, a prediction. I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but um yeah, I, I'm not sure. And, and I'll be honest, too, thinking about this idea about who is the oath to and what are the consequences, I can't stop thinking about Eternals and mm-hmm. that similarity in this idea. Knowing all of what I know about Eternals only from the trailers, this idea of not being able to intervene unless, right, there's the exception that they mentioned in the second trailer. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot and I'm like, is what if preparing us for those mental gymnastics in a, in a bit of a way so that we're more prepared for Eternals? Um, mm-hmm. is, it, is it somehow connected in who this, this promise is to? I, I don't know. Yeah. You're reminding me of something that has lived rent-free in my head since Leech said it in the what if friend Daniel and Leech hosted an episode. She she characterized what if as Marvel being like, okay, if Loki was too much for you, this is going to be us holding your hand through the multiverse. So even if you don't get it at first, this is going to be the way that we explain it to you. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioning like maybe this being a preparation for the Eternals and, and some of the mental gymnastics to those rules that are arbitrarily set per characters. Um, I think that fits, uh, whether or not, I don't know if we'll ever know if that is the intention of sure. what of the creation, but it makes sense to me, especially in the way that you have characterized it into that point. You mentioned about your guests calling it the the if vengers and assembling them. On the topic of assembling, did any of you think that whenever Doctor Strange was like cold shouldering the watcher into saying it, that there was going to be some variation of that Avengers assemble line? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. 
I kept waiting for it. I thought that's the direction they were going to go because as much as a fan of apparently the universes as the Watcher is, <laughs> I like the idea of him being kind of a fanboy as well and yeah. getting to say it. No, I'm just hoping next episode he says if Avengers assemble. <laughs> like, like, like I, I hope that we can look back and be like, oh, he called it. Jot called. <laughs> Try a psychic again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like we said, you're you've got a bit of that psychic trait too. You were talking about uh Clint and Natasha yeah. being the most exciting thing in this year and here we go. This is this episode. I was so excited when I saw the the um when I saw the episode description on Disney Plus for episode 8 and it said Natasha and Clint. I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> Now, I did find it interesting, and, and I'm wondering if they were starting to lay down the foundation of, well, I'm assuming next week is a is a part two, and this isn't a cliffhanger, right? Um, God, I hope and, so. Yeah, because and just going off the others, it, it, it they, they have to continue it. I can't imagine it being a cliffhanger like the other episodes, but this, oh, but anything is possible in the multiverse. You know, I, I feel like they're laying the groundwork of how this is going to end. Cause they did a stat. We talked about it. They established how powerful this vision Ultron is. Um, and if anything's possible, he can be defeated. And I'm just curious of which, like, are we going to see the universe where Ultron vision is good? And so they have to fight one of each other feels a little rehashy of WandaVision, but I know these were written far enough out you know i'm just curious of what that's gonna what what that's gonna be and i and i feel like that's what it was laid out for yeah do we think it is gonna be well what combination do we think it's gonna be of some type of mind game or bargain you know to borrow from dr strange or trick <laughs> or something like that versus an all-out physical battle yeah well, you know what? Maybe this is where White Vision comes back and he'll ship a thief or a Theseus or what? as I'm stumbling my words, him out of it. <laughs> Maybe the ship of Theseus is more relevant than we even thought, like when we're thinking about who yeah. these characters are across the multiverse, right? Yeah. It's the key to all of this. It's, start, it's what started phase four and it's going to bring it all together at the end. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But no, I, I'm I'm still stuck on what you said, Tara, about like, I think they're going to continue this next episode. I, I'm like 90% sure they will continue this. But I think that's very emblematic of the season that they have trained us this to have <laughs> this feeling where at the end of something so cool, we're like, oh, man, please come through. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. But, totally, because yeah. there's no way that they can pick up all of the threads from all of the episodes. I mean, they could, of course, sort of say, okay, let's assemble Captain Carter and T'Challa Star-Lord and Natasha with the Red Guardian shield. The Disney store, by the way, and uh, I think, yeah, I think the Disney store is um, marketing her as post-apocalyptic Black Widow, which I oh, thought was interesting. Wow. I got an ad on Instagram. It was like 
from Shop Disney, and it was all of the latest What If merch from the Disney store because, of course, that's the ad I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, if it makes you feel any better, it definitely tracks because the What If uh, Funko Pop collector core they have that as the pop and it's post-apocalyptic Mike okay so that's that's what she's being referred to then Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean so I feel like you know and then I started thinking okay so maybe we see Captain Carter and T'Challa Star-Lord obviously you know well I'm saying obviously I I think we're going to continue to see this version of Doctor Strange are we also going to see Shuri and Pepper Potts like are we going to go back to these threads that the other episodes have kind of um Mm-hmm. left us with like are they all going to come together and i somehow think probably not um yeah i don't know what do you guys think yeah. i think you're right in that 30 minutes is really short to try to pull all these together mm-hmm. yeah it does have me worried because i know jude and i have definitely felt this i'd be curious if you felt this as well because you cover these stories too on your podcast There seems to be, and maybe it's even evident as we're in this section now, by the time you get to the end of the story, it's the action stuff. And there's not as much to cover other than like, oh yeah, this is the cool action bit. I don't know what all they'll be able to introduce and resolve in 30 minutes while also probably being the action-filled finale that Mm -hmm. it's leading into. So yeah, I... That's where the cautiously comes into my cautiously optimistic part of my pre-spoiler thought. Yeah. They could pull a a Loki finale and just have a couple characters sit in a room together and talk. That would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe Doctor Strange and Vision Ultron play, you know, a rousing game of chess. (laughs) Winner take all. Well... Unless there's any more, uh, I think we can move on to stray thoughts. So this is the section for us to just kind of broad strokes, anything we may not have gotten into during the act breakdowns of what we thought of this episode. So uh, Tara, where what stray thoughts do you have? Right now, my stray thought is about how if we are fantasy drafting an if Venger team, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want <laughs> I want President Rogers to be on it. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's where my mind is going. Who else would we want on the team? Um, but as far as the episode itself, I, I think, yeah, I think the only other thing that I had noted, again, was this emphasis on this idea of purpose and Ultron struggling with this idea of purpose. And that's just something that I've been tracking on my show when looking at some of the bigger concepts that we see tying the different phases of the MCU together. And, and, um, you know, I don't know to what extent maybe I can go back and try to do this that, you know, to track that concept throughout all of what if, but it certainly Mm -hmm. felt like it was a, a big part of this episode. And then it makes us wonder about the watcher too, as, as we already said, right? Like what exactly is the watcher's purpose in this watching that he does and uh at whose directive is that so and i feel like that we're gonna find that out at some point season two maybe um but i would i would really like to know Mm -hmm. and you know to, to play off of that i don't know to what extent 
you can take the Stanley cameos at face value of whether it's like, hey, these are 100% canonical or these are stretching the the limitations of what is the the canon. But we've already seen, was it in Guardians 2, where Stanley was talking to some of the watchers? Mm-hmm. So whenever you two are talking about like, hey, who is this Oath 2? The, the thing I think about is who those peers are and mm. what, you know, what role, if any, do they play to this wanter in particular that we've gotten to know? I'd be curious to see that. For a second there, I thought you were going to say that it made you curious to wonder if Stanley was the one that they made the oath to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe. I mean, if we're part of the MCU yeah. universe, apparently it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> Oh, I like that. I, I'm changing my stray thought. It's that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were going to say that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, what about you, Jude? You got any stray thoughts? You know, it's interesting. Um, one of my stray thoughts was is actually I'm sad that we won't get to see Jeffrey Wright and Stan Lee together. Mm. Um, you know, because I I would like to see the live action of this. Um, I was wondering if one of those arrows Hawkeye used specifically like the, the net one, maybe, I don't know. Uh, was that the arrow he was talking to Kate Bishop about being too dangerous? Oh, um, kind of wondering about that. I thought it was kind of silly that, you know, they shot out Zola's Ultron legs. Cause now, you know, you got to carry him. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, it's like, oh, that that didn't quite work out um i did that wonder speaks to natasha's strength though she yeah, was carrying yeah. it like yoda you know i did find it interesting and wonder like the the fact that barton died and had to sacrifice himself is that moment one of them having to do that or make that decision kind of an absolute point uh in, in a similar way of uh christine's death um and then the last two uh, I want to find out that the tentacles is actually a flurkin. Oh. <laughs> and I really wish they would have got James Spader or Paul Bettany back for the Vision Ultron voice. Um, that was one where, like, you could tell they were trying to do a James Spader, but it was like, it just wasn't working for me. And I, and I would have liked to have to have had that back. I don't know about Spader, but I'm pretty sure they could have got Paul Bettany to do this. So those are my stray thoughts. What about you, Trey? I'm going to immediately go to bat for Ross Marquand, who is the actor that voiced Spader. To clarify, I don't think you can replace Spader, but the fact that Ross Marquand got within the ballpark of capturing that essence of Ultron, yeah. I thought was really good. And it, it did work for me. It could be I'm slowly becoming a Ross Marquand fanboy. He was in The Walking Dead. I liked him there. I liked what he was able to do with the Red Skull and was pleasantly surprised to see that he was Ultron here too. So mm-hmm. um, it, it did work for me. Um, but I think it's just an insurmountable task of trying to recreate that Spader voice. But yeah. to your other point, it does make sense that, you know, Paul Bettany's already working with this show. Um, it seemed like it would have been a natural fit. Mm-hmm. 
other th- other stray thought love the shot of infinite ultron eating the galaxy which is a nice nod to galactus i think mm. uh and then finally the last stray thought that i have the watcher is essentially all of us who ever talks at the tv screen whenever our characters <laughs> are not doing what they want us, want them to do <laughs> it's right so. there it's right there what are you doing <laughs> come on dora come on Dora oh my gosh I knew you'd be back Steve (sighs) look the number of times I heard my kids yelling go Dora go (laughs) swipe or no swiping swipe or no swiping oh my goodness it's a clue it's a clue yeah you know what one Uh, of my favorite things and I I maintain this when, when you're talking like morals with my students I'm like the Joker and the Dark Knight and Swiper the Fox is the same character they what? both okay. Just... We have to talk about this at some point. Hey, they... I mean, think about what Swiper does. Whenever he's successful and steals anything, all he does is just turn and throw it in the background. He doesn't keep it for himself. Swiper <laughs> just wants to watch the world burn. <laughs> oh man, oh. the crossover content! I did not know I needed. <laughs> My God, I've been excited to do the Nolan Batman coverage with you at some point. I've never been more excited than right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I didn't uh I didn't expect that is where our stray thoughts would have taken us, but <laughs> hey, that in it it's stray thoughts. <laughs> that indeed is our stray thoughts. Uh but we are going to do the listeners first takes. So if you're new to this segment, essentially uh we've been reaching out on social media asking people what they thought of the episode and we read some of the responses here. So, uh starting with this one, we get got this one in on Twitter from Ken which says, "Quote I'm glad there's a sort of cinematic buildup slash into the season as opposed to disjointed one shots. Seeing Ultron turn around to say, I see you or something like it to the watcher was super creepy. Who watches the watcher? Ultron. (laughs) Yeah, I I think Ken did a wonderful job of surmising that. And I love the way he phrased it as who watches the watcher? Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our next one, why did they have to replicate Vorm- the Vormir scene? I cried enough at the end of Infinity War. Uh, ben Maddie on Instagram. Um, yeah, like that's it. What and, and that's the interesting thing is it's recreated in a different spot and it still got you in the feels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This one breaks our heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not the only one who was crying, Ben. So the next comment comes from friend Daniel, who I will be working with on my show next week, actually. So you can look forward to hearing him over there. The universal friend of the internet, as he's now called. (laughs) Yes. And he wrote, satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) I was so hoping because when we first started doing this, the first one that he did was on the what if zombies and he just put creepy. And then the next one, I forgot what he put, but it was two words. And I was so hoping he was going to continue the trend where each week would just be another word added to his review. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is he was on and he had to read his and it was like, Hey, this works for me. And then he spent the whole pod of like tearing it down. <laughs> Talking about how it didn't work for him. Yes. That was great. That was one of my favorite things. I swear. 
We, I legitimately think we tampered with the multiverse by ha- we we frame those episodes as both Leech and Daniel being from those respective universes where they did the what if episode. It will the moment you just described, Jude, was so hilarious where he had to read his disagreeing thought, and then whenever we did it with uh, Leech, and we spent the whole episode just not liking the episode, and then we got to the audience first takes, and it was loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah. It was like unanimous. <laughs> So, uh, oops, we may have broken the universe. <laughs> hey, you know, it's either multiple universes or a simulation. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Right. There's one last comment from a listener, right? It says, oh, it, it seems like it's from Ultron. It says, call me Ultron Trey. Would you like to play a game? <laughs> huh, he didn't uh, sign I gotta go. it, though. It didn't say that it was from Twitter or Instagram. So, Yeah. They're definitely reaching out from somewhere. Yeah. yeah, maybe from the deep spaces of the internet. Ultron is mainly code. I just wanted on the record, I said I loved Ross Marquand. Your voice was fantastic. <laughs> Please go easy on me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, those are our listener first takes. So uh, we're going to be doing this as we move through the Disney Plus series. So if you want to get in on that, make sure you're following us on social media uh, to chime in with those. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, Tara, thank you so much for doing this with us. It was an absolute blast. Thank you. Yeah, this was really fun. And I really enjoyed this episode and talking with you all about it has made me appreciate it even more. And uh, as always, our conversations always leave me wanting more MCU and wanting to dig into it more with you guys. And so I absolutely appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Anytime. My pleasure. And of course, if you want more of Tara's insights, you definitely should be following them on Twitter and Instagram uh, at an idea underscore podcast. And like we mentioned in this episode, she has just recently put out an episode covering the last three episodes of What If. So if you want even more dive into the story, make sure you're following her on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts by looking up There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And as for this show, if you want more of this, you can follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at MCU Need to Know is where you can find us. Uh, We've been doing a lot of great work to put up extra content from the episodes that doesn't make it into the feed. So if you want to see extras, you can see it there. Uh, We've been putting up our personal first takes of the episode the day of, if not the day after, as a way to get an insight to what we think before the episode drops on Monday, uh, as well as uh, voting on which quote from the episode becomes our podcast title. So if you want to get in on the action and help shape this show in a more direct way, make sure you're following us on social media uh, at MCU Need to Know. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can scroll down to the bottom of the show notes. You can click a link and join the Discord uh, where you find a good community that loves the MCU, uh, pop culture in general, and wonderful conversations. When you go there, make sure you click on the Roll Sign channel, click on the I emojis, and it'll open up all the spoiler channels to you. Also, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is also linked in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, Tara and Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you, Trey. Thank you, Tara. Thank you for having me. We'll see you all next week.
Well, uh, regarding the episode, has everybody gotten the outline? Is everything updated accordingly? <laughs> I laugh. I don't know if you saw this, TK. Uh, Jude and, and my ever-professional nature <laughs> was messing around with the outline. You may see an image of Party Thor. It's just a retaliation <laughs> for something else he was doing. <laughs> okay, this is wonderful. I'm going to check it out now. I uh, So usually I make a copy and oh, okay. then do notes separately. Mm-hmm. But I did revisit the outline again today because I wasn't sure if you added another article. And it looks like you did add another article. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Tara, we've been doing a new thing at the end of the episode after Stray Thoughts where we do the listeners' first takes. Um, it's up to you if you would like to join in and read one of them. Or if you want us to uh, to read it all, and you can just chime in if there's anyone that speaks out to you. Um, if you're game to read, I think the well, the way it played out this week is C is a very short one, but that that would be the one that you would uh, be able to read. I'm happy to read C, especially because it comes from friend Daniel, and you know he's going to be my guest next week. So, oh, perfect. Oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> cool. So I need to point out the reason why I just. Dang it, dude. The reason why I stumbled when I copy pasted, I didn't realize I copy pasted you. I see you, Trey. This is your controller in <laughs> the simulation reaching out. <laughs> so that gave me pause. But uh, if that is what's on the outline, I'm sorry, TK, that's not it. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> oh, man. So professional. Yeah. Well, I didn't right. know if you saw it live because I knew you were on there editing. And uh-huh. So that's why I started typing. <laughs> Because I was hoping you'd see it play out. Yeah, I caught one. I didn't caught, catch them all. Call me Ultron Trey. Would you like to play a game? <laughs> oh, man. That's great. 